You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope and you restore every heart that is broken. Thank you for joining us here at First Love Ministries with the First Presbyterian Church in Jacksonville, Illinois for Sunday, February 28th, 2021. Reverend Jonathan Warren has titled his sermon today, A Different Way to Live. Soloist Stephanie Solterman will be performing Cornerstone Medley for our special music. Our scripture reading is Genesis 17, 1 through 7, and then 15 through 16. Our gospel reading comes to us from Mark 8, 31 through 38. We pray that all is going well for you today, and we pray that you have a peaceful, successful, healthy, and safe upcoming week. God bless until we meet again next week. Let us prepare our hearts for scripture reading by saying the prayer for illumination together. Testify to us, O God, by the voice of your Spirit, put your law in our hearts, write your word in your minds, and show your will in our lives. Through Jesus Christ our Savior, amen. The scripture reading from Genesis 17, 1 through 7, and 15 through 16. Let us listen to the word of God. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me, and blameless, be blameless, and I will make you my covenant between me and you, and I will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abraham fell on his face, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations for you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you, throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your offspring after you. God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife shall not be called Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she will shall rise to nations. Kings of people shall come from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus is the cornerstone, came for sinners to atone. Though rejected by his own, he became the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. When I am by sin oppressed, 
On the stone I am at rest When the seeds of truth are sown He remains the cornerstone Jesus is the cornerstone Rock of Ages Cleft for me Let me secure for all time it will endure till the children reach their home he remains the cornerstone till the breaking of the dawn Till all footsteps cease to roam, ever let this truth be known. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the Our gospel lesson comes to us from Mark chapter 8, beginning with the 31st verse. Let us listen to the word of God. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly and took Peter and put Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who want to lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed. What can you give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, after this scripture reading, 
I discovered that Jesus certainly doesn't follow Dale Carnegie's advice in winning friends and influencing people. If you look at his book, I looked at every chapter, and there isn't a chapter on suffering or rejection or crucifixion, nothing about rebuking or calling someone Satan. In fact, quite the opposite. In the very first chapter of his book, Carnegie shares a story about Abraham Lincoln. It says, when Lincoln was a young man, he not only criticized, but he wrote letters and poems ridiculing people, dropping them on the roads where they were sure to be found. And then as a lawyer in Springfield, he even attacked opponents in letters published in the newspapers. 1842, he ridiculed politician James Shields. As the town roared with laughter, Shields discovered that Lincoln had written it. And he challenged Lincoln to a duel that Lincoln couldn't get out of. So Lincoln and Shields met on a sandbar in the Mississippi River, prepared to fight to the death. But the last minute, their seconds interrupted and stopped the duel. Now this whole situation taught Lincoln an invaluable lesson in the art of dealing with people. From that time on, Lincoln almost never criticized anybody for anything. And that's Carnegie's first principle in his book. Don't criticize, condemn, or complain. Yet somehow, Jesus has no interest in the lessons Lincoln and Carnegie share. In his teaching today to his disciples, his lesson is about the Son of Man who must undergo great suffering and be rejected and killed. Now, this wasn't the common understanding of the day. The Son of Man that Peter and the disciples know is from Daniel 7, 13 through 14, which says the Son of Man will come with the clouds of heaven with dominion and glory and kingship to all peoples, nations, and languages. So Peter sets Jesus straight, that the Son of Man isn't going to suffer and be rejected and killed because that isn't an everlasting kingdom and dominion. Now this is when Jesus fails to follow Carnegie's first principle, not to criticize, condemn, or complain. And he says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are setting your mind on not on divine things, but on human things. So if you haven't caught on by now, Jesus' teaching isn't about winning friends and influencing people. If it was, he'd follow something else Lincoln said. There's an old and true maxim that a drop of honey catches more flies than a gallon of gall. So with men, if you would win a man to your cause, First, convince him that you are his sincere friend. So if it's not about winning and influencing folks, then what's it about? Now, Jesus' teaching goes beyond just his disciples at this point in our reading. He says, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. Now, I want to be careful here. Too many have claimed that Jesus is calling us to suffer and to die. But I don't believe that's exactly what Jesus desires. 
he's teaching here. And he's not actually teaching about dying, but he's teaching about living. One scholar shares that the cross is a vivid and powerful image. In the first century Palestine, the cross meant one thing, death, the cruel, torturous death that awaited any who dared threaten Caesar's kingdom. Indeed, the Romans put up crosses like billboards, advertising Caesar's supremacy and the fate of any who dared to challenge it. The lesson Jesus is teaching his disciples and to us here is about changing the way that the game is played. Nobody can go up against the Roman imperial power of Caesar. There's no amount of money or power or strength that can defeat Caesar's supremacy. Now, Jesus is telling people, his folks, what they already know. You will be crushed if you try to do it their way. There's no way to beat the imperial machine except by changing our tactics. So Jesus is teaching his disciples and us these new tactics, and it includes a new and different way to live. But how do you get somebody to change their whole worldview? Well, Jesus yells at them. Stop thinking the way you always do. Stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. You're thinking the way the world does. That's the way the world plays the game. But we've got to live differently. The only way to become world changers is if we take up our cross. Decide to live differently and go against the grain Go against the powers of the world. Now we take up the cross and live by dying first through our baptism. As followers of Christ, we've already died to this life. We've already gained the kingdom. So then we can live differently than the way that the world does. So when Jesus tells us to take up our cross, it's actually about civil disobedience and rebellion and seeking justice in the midst of injustice, about being the trickster up against the imperial powers. Now that's quite a teaching and a different way to live, isn't it? In Malcolm Gladwell's book, David and Goliath, he talks about civil rights in Alabama against the mighty Bull Connor. You might even remember this moment in history. Wyatt Walker was on the ground in Birmingham from the beginning, marshaling King's meager army against the forces of racism and reaction. King and Walker were under no illusions that they could fight racism the conventional way. They could not defeat Bull Connor at the polls or in the streets or in the court of law. They could not match him strength for strength, what they could do, though, was play Br'er Rabbit and try to get Connor to throw them in the briar patch. Now, in the most famous Br'er Rabbit story, Br'er Fox traps Rabbit by building a baby doll out of tar. Br'er Rabbit tries to engage the tar baby and instead gets stuck. And the more he tries to free himself from the tar, the more hopelessly entangled he becomes. 
And that's when he pleads to the gloating fox, I don't care what you do with me, Br'er Fox, but don't fling me in that briar patch. And Br'er Fox, of course, does just that. And Rabbit, who was born and bred in the briar patch, uses the thorns to separate himself from the doll and escapes. Fox is defeated. You see Rabbit sitting cross-legged on a nearby log, triumphantly combing the pitch out of his hair with a chip. Trickster tales were painfully realistic stories which caught the art of surviving and even triumphing in the face of a hostile environment. And knowing this Br'er Rabbit story, Dr. King tells Wyatt Walker, you've got to find the means to create a crisis to make Bull Connor tip his hand. And that's exactly what Walker does. The crisis created by Wyatt Walker was the fire hoses being sprayed on children, which captured news channels and shocked the world. And then a photograph of a teenage boy being attacked by a police dog, leaning in his arm limp as if to say, take me, here I am. I'm sure many of you remember that picture. It's still a powerful image even today. It makes us respond and cringe. Now, in response to the complaints over the use of children, Dr. King's colleague, Fred Shuttlesworth, said it best, we got to use what we got. It was a little bit of Br'er Rabbit trickery. The trickster is not a trickster by nature. He's a trickster by necessity. So as we continue our Lenten journey, we must remember to change our worldview, to stop thinking the way we always do, to stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Christ teaches us a different way. We've died to our old self. As we follow Christ to the cross, we must find the very places that the trickster lives by necessity in our world. For Christ calls us into these very situations to change our tactics from the way the world plays the game, to live differently, going against the grain. So when Christ calls us to take up our cross and follow him, Christ is calling us to civil disobedience, rebellion, to seek justice in the, in the midst of injustice. Instead of using power and money, influence and strength, which are human things, we must instead use divine tactics, selflessness and weakness, peace and love, and a willingness to carry the cross for others. And while it might be different than what the world teaches, it's the only way to really live. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We invite you to join us at www.facebook.com slash slash and join our Monday First Press Jacks community group, which meets at 7 p.m. every Monday. This is a question, answer, and sharing group with the pastor. 
This is a private room, and you will be asked a few questions before entering to make sure you are a human and not a robot. There is also a Lenten class on Thursdays at the same time and the same place. Presbyterians with a Purpose is another program available at the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville for individuals needing to contact someone during these challenging times of the pandemic. You can visit that link. Just visit our homepage and find the link for Presbyterians with a Purpose. We also offer a Sunday live service starting at 9.55 a.m. Join us at www.facebook.com slash slash and click on the live link. In-person service starts at 10 a.m. Visitors and members are encouraged to come into the north door. A person will be there to take your temperature via your wrist or your forehead. We ask that masks be kept on while in the church building. If you found today's sermon inspiring or any other program available here at First Love Ministries at the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville, Illinois, useful and would like to support our ministry, there are a few different options available. You can visit www.firstpresjax.org slash donate and make your contribution there or send contributions to First Presbyterian Church 870 West College, Jacksonville, Illinois, 62650. You also can contribute through your bank using bill pay. If an account number is needed, please use 870-870-870. Our phone number is 217-245-4189. Our email is office at first presjax.org That's office at F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-J-A-X dot O-R-G We pray you have a safe, healthy, and peaceful week. God bless.